Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have an interesting show for you guys today. It's kind of a smorgasbord of topics. We're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about the dead period. We're going to get some football updates as well. We're also going to answer your questions and finish off with Chris's classic take it or leave it segment. As a reminder, you guys can send us questions or submissions to the pod at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. You can also look out for a tweet from Sir Shotgun Spratling on Thursdays. We love hearing from you guys, especially when it's the offseason, a little slower news-wise. So be sure to send those in. Before we jump in, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, for sponsoring the Peristyle Podcast, another real corporate sponsor. Chris, i got to ask you, since you're the birthday boy, happy birthday, by the way. Happy thank birthday. you, thank you, thank you. What's your favorite thing from Trader Joe's? You know, I don't want to be like the mainstream person and say the orange chicken, because that's like the number one thing that's been <laughs> voted like first place for like 100 years or whatever, but... It's it's the breakfast aisle. It's or the freezer section. It's the little hash browns that come like, uh, I mean, they're normal size hash browns, but they are visual s- bit so already. Thank you. Freaking good. Throw them in uh, air fryer. Flip them around. Just crispy and golden. They're a little bit. They're bigger than like a McDonald's one, but these are just so good, and I'm just craving them right now. So are are they just potato shreds or are they? No no no. You know, it's an actual. Okay. It's like formed like. Like I'm hash brown, you would get a McDonald's, or not the shredded. I like don't like a re- nugget. Yeah, but like. But hash brown. Yes, but just like <laughs> flatter. They're so good, and they're big. Two, two of them with some eggs. Oof, that's breakfast right there. That's bay. So do you put the egg in between them and make a hash brown sandwich? I'm not Whoa. that. I'm not that crazy. You gotta try know. that now and then report back. Okay, I'll try it this week, and then hopefully by next week I can give you a full report about what that looks like. Uh, so thank you to Trader Joe's. And I'm just going to throw out, because I'm good at making slogans, where the Joes go. Try it out. Because their current slogan is what? Your, your neighborhood? Your neighborhood market, I believe. I need some spice in that. Oh. I need some spice. I want some. That could be for anything. Your neighborhood grocery store. Apologies. I just, that's just very. They could just add, tack yours on. Your neighborhood grocery store where the Joes go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Hole in that? Look. Copyright Chris Rubino. It's a great pairing. Like hash browns and eggs sandwich. <laughs> well, so you assume you haven't. Tried so it I assume you put two great things together. Does that also like make this, a great thing? Like this podcast. Yeah, put me and Chris together. Come thank, on, thank I, was, <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> cut you out of this. I haven't decided who I'm siding with today. Early in the podcast, <sighs> last it. week was Shotgun. Week before that was Keely. So we'll see where I go. He's, Helium, getting, he's, he's getting a good start right now. Helium boys for life. Helium boys. Anyway, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about basketball. Shotgun, you and I are doing instant analysis for basketball, which is exciting. It's it's unique, actually, because 
with the restrictions that there are because it's in an arena, you know, we were able to do instant analysis after the basket. I mean, after the football games because it was outside. Mm-hmm. With the you know, with it being an arena, I've got to leave the arena to basically be able to do it, uh, you know, without a mask on. And so I, I end up going home, so I get to think about it a little bit more. So it's a little bit of a delayed instant analysis, almost instant analysis. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> and I just want to. Gas up my boy here, my my gas up my fellow helium boy here, the premier USC beat writer. Sirius XM is begging for this man to come on later today, but we get him here just weekly. You know, USC basketball is hot right now. It's the hottest thing in the market. And this guy, this is where if you want good USC basketball coverage, this is the guy. Like he's taken my uh rapid recap and just like just poo-pooed all over the ones I do. These are just so in-depth. They're not really that rapid anymore because he does two versions, but he gets a quick version up, and then he goes, the final version. I don't even do a final version. This man is going in-depth with the coverage, so just want to gas up Shotgun right now. Well, the reason why we had to have rapid recaps is because most of the games used to be on the Pac-12 network, so most of the people don't get to watch the game, so if you want to you know, catch you know, what exactly happened, you see the final score, someone tweets it or something, okay, I want to I read about what happened. So now I'm trying to put out a rapid recap soon after the press conference with, with Andy Enfield and then you know, finish up and, and add a little more depth into it with some superlatives afterwards. Uh, but fortunately for USC fans, you can actually watch this team now, even if you don't have the Pac-12 networks. The rest of the regular season, USC is going to be on network television or you know, uh, at least cable television with the ESPN networks. They're on Fox on Saturday against Arizona. Big game for USC there. A chance to sweep the Arizona schools for only the second time in their history and the first time ever with a home-and-home series. So the only other time was in 1929, I looked this up last night uh, after talking to Keeley on instant analysis. 1929, they went on a road trip and you know they went to they played Arizona twice and they played Arizona State once and they won all three of those games. And Keeley was like kind of wondering like why did they not you know you know break it up or anything? Why did they do it all on one road trip? And I had a reminder that they were taking trains at that time, so you're gonna go out there and you're gonna play for a week or you know for a, an extended weekend, so you got to get in as many games as you can. And my follow up was. Was I allowed to vote back then? Like I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know great. where where we were in that. I mean, time almost a hundred years ago. You know, it's ninety what ninety two years ago that that was. So now, obviously, USC didn't play Arizona State. That was the only time they played Arizona State prior to nineteen fifty one. But you know, since the teams have joined the conference, USC has not been able to beat both those teams in in the same year. You know, uh, haven't been able to sweep them. So they've got a great opportunity. They've been playing great basketball. They continue to get better each game. Uh, and you see some small developments, you know, each, per, per game. So I think it's really interesting watching this team, watching them grow. And even Evan Mobley, he's a guy that, hey, he's been fantastic all year, but you're seeing small little elements of his game get better and better as the season progresses. The instant analysis we did was because of USC's 89 71 win over Arizona State. First time they've swept. Arizona State since 2011. USC now has started 18 and three for the first time since the 70s, which is insane. <laughs> None and of it, us were born then. You're close for you. Sean. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's 12 years before I was born. Thank you. <laughs> it was also Andy Infield's 150th win for USC. Uh, so a lot of uh, noteworthy items from Wednesday night's victory. Yeah, I mean they've won seven straight now. They've won 13 of 14. And their finishing game's really strong. This game, they went on a late 11-0 run to kind of put it away. It had been hovering around eight or nine points for, for about seven or eight minutes in the second half, and then they just pushed away 
uh, to, to take a, you know, they got it up to 20 points and finished with an 18-point victory against Arizona State. Same thing has happened the last couple of games as well. Been a little bit tighter towards the end, and then they pulled away and, and gotten, you know, double-digit victories. They're playing really well right now. So it, it's interesting to see how this team keeps growing and how, you know, they've got a shot to win their first conference championship since 1985 and first outright championship in 60 years. Wow. I was just very surprised or yes, surprised by how this team sort of bounced back from that Oregon state loss. Cause that was like the one, like that was kind of like head scratching and then kind of like a tough loss, 56, 58 on the road after they had been putting up, you know, this winning streak and then to come back and just rip off another winning streak. has just been really impressive. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it in, in different ways, but it all starts with their defense. Um, and, and that game, the, the, the three games they've lost, they've gone cold for an extended streak. And I think one of the things they're learning is how to avoid those long streaks. And it, it involves getting the ball to Evan Mobley, but also and, and guys have to hit some shots. But they're finding different ways to score where it's not just, hey, Evan needs to score, and if they double-team him, somebody has to make a shot. They're finding ways to slash. They're finding ways to offensive rebound. They're doing some different things to, to create some easier ba- easier buckets and some easier looks. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think that they're excelling right now because you know they're able to score and they're not having as long of stretches. Now, every team is going to have two- or three-minute stretches because that's only like three or four possessions. So if you don't score three or four possessions, that's a two-minute two or a three-minute drought. But they're not having those six-minute droughts, those seven-minute droughts, which they were having early in the season. It's something that has plagued any infield teams in the past. Now, again, that's coming against the teams they played recently. They played the Washington schools, you know, Arizona State. All those are bottom-half teams. Uh, So I I think that we'll see where they're really at when they play Arizona this weekend. And then now, just announced on Thursday morning, the Pac-12 announced some different schedule changes. And for USC, what that means, I think they announced like six or seven different uh, games that were were adjusted. But USC is now going to play Oregon on Monday. They were scheduled to play Stanford. They're now going to play Oregon at home on Monday. The Stanford game gets moved once again. Like USC and how Stanford. How many times has that been moved? I, I think not, I don't know this in particular game. How many times it's been moved? But they, you know, because they're playing home and home or scheduled to play home and home. This is the sixth different iteration of a USC Stanford game this season because games have been moved, games have been switched venues. It's been kind of crazy just because of you know a, a positive COVID test that canceled USC's Pac-12 opener against Stanford, and then a false positive that you know kept them from playing up at Stanford initially. So that game is now going to be moved to the final weekend, I mean, final week of the season, day and time to be announced. But that's the week that they're scheduled to play at UCLA. So they had the the opening during the week to be able to play that game. So now USC is going to have a really tough stretch to end the season. You know, it was already going to be a look tough, but and you were wondering if they were going to get that Oregon game in. But you play Arizona and Oregon at home, and then you go on the road to a place where USC has struggled, the Mountain Schools. They play at Colorado, play at Utah. Then you come home and play Stanford, and Stanford's a very dangerous team, especially now they've got their their NBA guys back. Dejon Davis and Zaire Williams are back in the lineup. They were playing without three starters when USC played them the first time. And then you finish the season with UCLA. So you know we'll see. There's been a lot of talk about where USC kind of stands, and, hey, they're only ranked 17th. If they play the way they played recently and they finish off the season really strong in the Pac-12, then they're definitely going to be moving up the rankings and moving up the seedings. Keely, if I have permission, can I just like, can we just like Q and A him right now? Can we sure. Just for him? I mean, just to add on to your point really quickly, since I was watching the game at home, um, they had like a quick analysis section at the end of the game, and one of the the anchors was saying to the analyst, "Why isn't 
more people talking about USC right now, given like what we're seeing. And the guy flat out said, because no one cares about the Pac-12. Like he just said it. And like that's it's it's unfortunate for USC because uh, there's been arguments that they should be ranked higher. But yeah, there, I don't know that people realize there is basketball played west of Texas other than Gonzaga which is what it's kind of felt like that's been the national attention for a few years now. because in a big part of it is UCLA not being really, really good. When UCLA is really, really good, same with USC football. It brings the entire conference up. And Oregon has played well. Oregon got into, I think, a Final Four a few years back. So, you know, they've kind of carried the load, but it, just does, it still doesn't have the name brand power that UCLA does. So when they're, you know, when UCLA is not, you know, being a, a top 10 team, then it hurts the entire conference. And USC has been really good recently. People, there's even talk about that coming in this year is infield a good coach, and still we get those on the message board all the time. But in the last five years, USC went to the tournament, went to the tournament, were basically the last team out. And then last year would have went to the tournament. This year they're definitely going to the tournament. So they are putting together some sustained success under any infield, and we'll see where they go after the Mobley brothers are gone. You know, Evan Mobley has been a huge part of it this year. Can they continue to recruit at that level? That'll be a big question for them. But right now, they're one of the most successful teams in the Pac-12 over the last five years. And you got to give a lot of credit to Andy Enfield, Jason Hart, the two guys that have been there throughout the, in, the entirety uh, and, and what they put together with this program. You mean the Super Mobley brothers, right? Super Mobley brothers, yeah. Keeley's not a fan, but I'm okay with it. It's growing on me. You were the one who hated it to start out. Look, with. I just don't oh, like I'm the mustache. I, I knew that there was one one person, one of you two that that, that hated it. I just don't like the mustaches. All right, <laughs> I like the name. I don't like the visual of it. Um, Whatever works. Evan's Evan's so young and baby faced that yeah. it does make it it's a little. Yes, different. Evan with a full Italian mustache <laughs> is what I need on my my timeline. Uh, like I said, I want to just pepper you with some questions right. for this run. Who is somebody outside of Evan Mobley do you think has been like a sneaky X factor for this team that maybe not not a lot of people are really talking about or not? Yeah, it's kind of like undervalued. I mean, Tajidi has been fantastic. You know, he scored 29 points against Washington State. He scored 15 in the first half against Arizona State. I don't know if that's sneaky, you know, depending on if you're watching the team or not. Uh, the, the guy that I think is the X factor and talked about this a little bit on instant analysis, Isaiah Mobley. When he plays well, I think the team is at its best. You know, he his game can elevate the rest of the guys around him because then you got two guys down low that are scoring. When he attacks the basket and finishes strong, you know, he's missed a lot of layups this season, some some bunnies down low. When he's finishing, you know, you're getting those buckets around the, uh, around the uh, rim and then that opens up those perimeters. So now you're getting wide open shots on the outside and guys recently the last couple games have been knocking down those shots. Ethan Anderson has come in, you know, come back from the injury and he's knocking down a couple of those three-pointers and that's really helped because you, you know, just adding an extra guy, it doesn't matter who it is, but as long as one of those guys can can catch fire per night and that and by catch fire I mean hit two threes. You know, go two for three in a game. Go three for four in a game. You don't have to hit six or seven or eight. You know, just a little bit to open things up and force teams to say, okay, we can't put all five guys in the paint to try to guard the Mobley brothers. Someone will knock down shots. we got to try to defend that too. I thought this quote from Bobby Hurley last night was interesting. He was like, I don't know the type of team that's going to have the chance to beat USC that I've seen in our league unless you're flush on the court with big guys that could deal with those two under the basket, meaning the Mobley brothers. But I just thought it was high praise from a rival coach, if you will. Yeah, and granted... Arizona State is really small on the front line, so the Mobley brothers have dominated both those performances. So there's a little bit of bias there, I think, from Hurley. 
But I completely agree. You're going to have to be able to spread the floor out. You're going to. The thing is, both of those guys can move so well defensively. You can't really go small and then say, okay, well, we'll get ours on the offensive end and we'll give up a little bit on the defensive end because both of them guard. You see Evan Mobley chasing around Remy Martin last night. You, you see Isaiah Mobley. You know Holland Woods, who's like a five foot nine guy from Portland State that went off against USC at the end of the first half, the first time they met up. He's chasing him around you know, on the perimeter with him dribbling the ball, and they can't get those wide-open shots like you normally would be able to get you know, if you're a guard going against a big man. So I think that their defensive ability is what changes that. They're so difficult to defend on the offensive end if anyone hits a couple shots. But on the defensive end, you can't trade, you can't trade height for speed because they can still keep up with you. Is there anything that you've seen that, I don't want to say weakness, but something that if you think they can get better in in the last stretch going into March Madness, like, oh, this team could make like a serious run? It's consistency of the shooting. You know, it's the outside shooting. They're shooting 34%, which is a quality percentage. Um, they can do better. And that's Noah Bauman. If you can get him going, I, I think that that's a big thing. He's a, you know, like a, he shot 45% at San Jose State. And for the season, I think he's at 33% or so. So him coming off the bench, if you can get him where he comes in, he knocks down one or two a game, and you know suddenly teams, when he comes in, they fear him. You know That's a big thing. But also the consistency of shooting at the free throw line. Can you finish off games? Now, recently, USC, they haven't shot a great percentage for games. It's been okay you know, to, to a little bit below average. It's been around their season average, which is why it's not good. But... At the end of games, they've done really well. They finished, I think it was 11 of 14 at Washington State. They completely won that game at the free throw line. They didn't have any field goals in the last like four or five minutes, but at the free throw line, they kept going, kept knocking down shots. So that's one area where they can definitely continue to improve. And Isaiah Mobley is a big part of that. You know, he's really struggled at the free throw line. It's definitely mental for him because he's got a good looking stroke, and he's knocked down a couple of his free throws in the last couple of games. So we'll see if he can continue to build on it. You had mentioned that tough schedule to end this this conference slate six games uh you know assuming they're all played and nothing wonky happens where we get a postponement but right now where do you see the, how how do you think they're going to finish out like record wise this this last stretch of of six games which is Arizona Oregon Colorado Utah Stanford and then at UCLA i mean honestly they can they can easily go undefeated in that um not easily they they can go undefeated in that would not be surprising Four and two is kind of your floor. I think you're looking at you know you got it. You should be able to win four of those. And if you go four and two, does that get you the Pac-12 championship? Probably, depending on who you win against there. Because USC currently has a game and a half going into Thursday night's games. USC has a game and a half lead on UCLA. They have a two and a half game lead on Colorado and a three game lead on Oregon. Now Oregon has a couple extra games to make up, so they can you know can gain some ground a little bit quicker than the other teams. But if USC beats those three teams, if those are three of their four wins, then they'll win the Pac-12 championship outright. Have you changed your tune at all on Evan Mobley being the Pac-12 player of the year? He has. Shockingly, he has. I have. And, and one of the things is his numbers have stayed pretty consistent. And there's always that question with freshmen is, hey, do they hit that freshman wall? towards you know the, the last third of the season. That's always a question with any, any freshman in any sport for me when they go into the college just because the season's longer, the wear and tear on your body. But what has is, what is taken him to another level is what he does defensively. 
he changes the entire game. I mean, he's blocking three shots a game, but it's it, like I talked about earlier is just the fact that he can go out and guard. Just I, the the one possession that stands out in my mind was him guarding Alonzo Verge at Arizona State, and Verge try Verge is super slithery. You know, has some great moves for a you know he's a slender guy. He knows how to contort his body to get in the lane, do different things. He couldn't go anywhere. He he tried a couple moves, passed the ball away. He got the ball back, tried a couple moves again, and tried a step back shot, and Evan Mobley blocks another jumper. Um, you know, it was just a super impressive for a seven footer to be keeping up with a guy who's so quick, like Verges on the wing with the ball in his hands. And he he does that, and it elevates the entire defense around you because now you can, if you need to. And what they did against Arizona State is they ended up switching the way they're playing the pick and roll. They started you know attacking more with their bigs and being more aggressive and switching that one through five. You can switch one through five if you want to because you know that Evan Mobley or Isaiah Mobley is going to be able to keep up with with a point guard. And you're not going to you know give up a big you know you're not going to give up a lot of space there. Um, and give up three pointers or something like that. So I think he changes everything for them defensively, and the the rest of the team can attack in a different way. So you can really attack three point shooters and force them to drive in the lane to Evan Mobley. You can do some different things defensively uh, around him. So I, I think that he he changes everything for them, and because of that, I think that he's the player of the year. He's doing it offensively. He's rebounding great. He's potentially going to be. The first guy, and I don't remember how many years it is, but in a while that has led the Pac-12 in rebounding and blocks, and he's doing that while he's averaging 16.8 points game per game. Wow. He's a special, special player. People keep saying, man, he's better than advertised. He's better than why, – why are people not pumping him up even more? Or like I get questions like, you, next time you do a podcast, you should, you should try to pump up Evan. I'm like, I'm trying. This dude is freaking good. He is so good for a freshman – and he's he's so good for a freshman. He's ridiculously good. Probably the best freshman I've ever seen. And he's ridiculously good for a college basketball player. He's going to go to the NBA. He's got to put on weight. He's got to do some different things for his body to, to be able to succeed at the NBA level. But at the college level, he's dominating right now as a true freshman. You, you've seen one game where he looked like a freshman. You go, okay, you know that looks kind of like a freshman. That was the, the Colorado game. He got beat up with a little bully ball that Colorado can play, and we'll see how he reacts the next time he plays against a guy like Evan Batty, who you know has a lot more weight on him. But other than that, one game out of twenty-one, that, that's kind of crazy to me. You know, normally you see some some bits and pieces. You go, oh, that was a freshman mistake, and you see that from some of the other players on USC's team, but you don't see it from Evan Mobley ever. Which is why it's so sad that. There's no fans. Oh, it's terrible, and that's that's one of the things that Isaiah Mobley. They were, you know, both the brothers were in the press conference after the Arizona State game, and you know, somebody asked, "Is this what you envisioned when Evan came?" And he was like, "Yeah, you know, me creating highlights for him, him creating highlights for me, you know, playing really well together, us being a top ranked team, and you know, being first place, all those things. The only thing missing is the fans, and you know, the excitement that would be in the building because." I think last night they had I mean I think against Arizona State they had something like nine dunks. I mean there's some big time dunks where they're you know going up over some players. Isaiah Mobley threw one down on a white dude from from Arizona State. I felt bad for that guy. He's a walk-on. Not a white dude. He's a 6'10 walk-on. Who's getting playing time because of some of the injuries and stuff that they have. Uh so it felt a little bit bad for him but not that bad because it was it was a terrific one-handed dunk there but Evan Mobley has also dunked on some people as well. Uh, and then Bubakar Kulubali 
comes in late in the game and he's thrown down two big dumps the last two games. It's become like a, a ritual at the end of games right now for USC to bring in the freshman who's super athletic and he throws down a big dunk to, to kind of to cap everything off. You really didn't need to say his race. That poor man. <laughs> really didn't need to, but I appreciate it. Uh, my final question, and I'm saving some for my take it or leave it. Oh, okay. Hmm. Thoughts on the NCAA selection committee show? This is the first one they've done kind of, I guess it's sort of like the college football playoff thing where they're kind of just seeing where people stand. I don't know how you feel about it, but where did you feel about it overall and kind of where USC ended up? I think it's a good idea. You know, one, you give teams an idea where you actually are, where your standing is. You know, if you need to play a little bit better, if you think that you're, you know, one of the top teams and suddenly you're a three or four seed or not even in the seeds. Um, But also, I think it drums up more conversation and discussion, which is what those selection shows do for the college football. Now, it's a little bit different because college football, you have games at the end of the week and you can do the show on Tuesday, whereas they're doing the selection show on Saturday. And then I think it was like three of the teams that they had in their rankings lost that day later after this show. So a little bit different in that regard. That's just kind of the scheduling of things. But USC doesn't doesn't make the top 16. So you look at it and you go, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Now, they were kind of a 4-5 or five seed. That's kind of where people had them in their bra- their mock brackets and, brackets and stuff. So not too surprising, but it shows you once again that the West just doesn't get any respect in the Pac-12 in particular. You had, you had Gonzaga as the number one overall seed, and that was the only team west of Texas. So the rest of the West is getting no love in, in that regard. But, hey, all USC can do is keep winning. And if they went out, which, like I said, it's going to be a tough road with those last six games, but if they went out, they'll be you know, probably a two seed going in. So right now, right now they're probably a five seed if you look at it because the, the com- selection committee chair did say that Southern Cal has been in a lot of conversations. So basically they were right on the bubble for, the, for a top four seed. So you'd say they're a the five seed if that's the case. That would be that would tie the third highest seed they've ever had. Huh. They've had a two seed, a four seed, and a five seed, and a six seed. I think so. Right now, you're in a conversation for, you know, since they started the seeding, one of the best USC basketball teams of the last what forty years or so since they've done the seeding. If they run it all, is a one seed on the table? I don't think so. Even if they win out you, everything, they're just too far behind right now. Um, I, I think the there's too much love right now for the Big Ten in particular that one of those teams will, will be – one or two of those teams will be number one seeds, along with Gonzaga and Baylor, who I just don't see losing. How do you think the COVID pause impacted everything? That's It's interesting, and, and that was something that was asked to the selection chair, and he said we're trying – we're basically just taking what is – you know, what games have been played and trying to go with the results on the court. But they're, they're taking into – affect uh you know they're they're considering i guess the pauses that teams have had but they're really just trying to look at the results on the court and and what teams have, have been able to do when they've been on the, for the on the court playing well shotgun i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show <laughs> i wish we could have you on every week um the family few thanks you and you didn't know who you were siding with this week i haven't taken any one side i'm just gassing up my boy Okay. Let me guess. Hey, I'm happy that we can Let talk some basketball just because I've kind of done every other week on my, my Heard It on the Sidelines podcast with basketball, and this week was a, a baseball week, so oh. I'm glad to get some, some basketball talk in this week. And you got to talk with us instead of to yeah. yourself, so yeah, got to talk always with a me. bonus. Got to talk with me. <laughs> Evil death stare. <laughs> Visual bit. Visual bit. Moving on to some football news. 
The NCAA extended the dead period through May 31st, which means that's now a year of the dead period. And so my question is, like, how does that affect certain classes who now basically don't have the college football experience or the recruiting experience, if you will? Well, Keely, it sucks. <laughs> Whoa. Chris. Trying to get the bleeps in, huh? I got to extend the bleep. I got to extend the bleep. The bleep thing. The that bleep felt street. right. <laughs> It's like, it's, in the bleep it's like a PG-13 movie. You get one F-bomb. You better use it right. <laughs> and I decided the... to blow it right now. Okay. You're just trying to make the pod edgy. Yeah. I, I want to make it, you know, I want this I want this podcast to be able to play in like a biker bar. You know? <laughs> See, this is why he's the cousin of the pod. It's like the weird cousin that brings something random to the party. Sure. And you're like, what is that? Like, who who brought straight Puerto Rican rum with them? Why is he stuffing the hors d'oeuvres in his pockets? <laughs> he knows there's to-go things, right? Look, I'm just trying to keep my streak of uh, bleeping going. I think I accomplished that. The bleep streak. The bleep streak, as it will be referred to. Um, but back to the recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it just means more of a holding pattern, but it, it just sucks for these kids that, you know, didn't get to visit. I mean, you can still visit, but it's not the same. You know, you can do your unofficial, unofficial visit, as I call. You can travel on your, your own dime to go walk around the school. But it just really hinders these coaches, especially uh, a team like USC that's trying to recruit out of state a lot, you know, get these Texas kids on campus. And I think if they were able to get the Texas kids on campus with this Texas staff they've built, I think they would do a lot better. Um, they would they would really start to to catch the eye of these top you know two four seven prospects, these four star Texas guys, and start pulling a lot more out of Texas. But again, they can't really do that um, until they can get some kids on campus. And it looks like we're gonna have to wait a little more. And USC is also limited by who's allowed to come on campus. So you know once they get to spring practice, are you know even if they're on an unofficial visit. Is someone going to be able to stop by practice and watch practice? I don't know if the school's going to allow that with you know the restrictions that they've had on people getting to campus. Now we'll see where everything is as far as coronavirus and the vaccine and different things like that. But right now USC has some some things that are hindering them from from being able to compete at the same level as some other schools as far as getting recruits on campus, even if they aren't official visits. So it's a little bit different there. You know, on the West, you know. I, Covering college baseball, I was told by a team recently, like, oh, we're not allowing media even to come on campus to, to cover the games. I wanted to be like, you're a small school. No one will ever cover your team if I don't come to your, <laughs> to cover your team. Oh, Lex. Spice. Ooh. Spice. Spice. Ooh, hit him. Tell hit him. him. I mean, it's true. I cover the entire West Coast, and there's not many other people that cover the West Coast at all. So if I'm not there, then who is? Take that West San Diego Tech State. University. East. Yes, west, east at the end there. <laughs> yeah. And that also will affect the big fish. I was about to say. Take your shot, Keely. What do you mean take my shot? For JT. Tuimoloa. Yeah. Fix the fix the audio, the, so, the audio like so it sounds like me. <laughs> sure. Get, get, yeah. the, get those levels I right. Well, I'll definitely do it. Uh, who wanted to take visits. He did. Before deciding in April. And now, well, it's not going to be official visits. And it's not going to be even... Legal, unofficial visits. So so the question is, when he plans to enroll, wherever he chooses to go, when does he plan to enroll? Because if it's not until the fall, it doesn't matter. You can still take those official visits. I mean, you still take those official visits in the summer if, if that's when you need to do it. 
um, if he plans to enroll in summer school to be on campus for those off-season workouts, then you're ta- then you're now you're worried. Okay, when you know when is he going to be able to make that decision? So I think it depends on, and we'll have to wait until Brendan Huffman talks to him because Brendan Huffman is the lead on this this one for sure. He's known that family feels like for for twenty five years or so. Might have you know Brendan Huffman's been in the game for a minute before he was even conceived. I said the family. I didn't say just JT. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> he was probably at the hospital. <laughs> There's like big baby, and Brendan Huffman just shows up. He's yep. like Pacific Northwest. I heard there was a big baby here. <laughs> Big baby, I got a big baby alert on my, my phone. Big baby alert. <laughs> big baby alert. And this is why Brendan Huffman is so keyed in on all the, mm-hmm. the prospects uh, in the Pacific Northwest in particular, but all over the West. Can't wait to tweet that out. Big baby alert. It's true. Big baby alert. Sounds like a podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the big baby alert. But anyways, it's going to be interesting to see you know what the family and JT decide to do as far as that enrollment period. And how important, you know, does it eventually come to a point you're just like, I'm tired of this. I want to go ahead and make my decision. I want to start building that relationship with my teammates because you're already built. You've already built the relationship with the coaches. Hey, I want to be able to say, hey, I'm going to be your teammate. I want to, you know, know who I'm learning from and start, you know, building the the playbook style uh, of camaraderie. The stuff where you're saying, okay, when you do this and this play, you know, you can talk about some of those things once you get the playbook. But right now, it's just basically the the defensive line coaches, the defense coordinator saying, hey, we want to use you this way. So I think there's a, a part of it that he, when does it become that point where he just wants to be like, all right, I'm done with this this process, and it sucks for him. Now, and he's one of the few players that didn't get to take those official visits in this class. A lot of other guys, you know, the Miller Mosses, like Miller Moss. Went and visited a ton of schools, maybe not officials, but he was able to visit a bunch of schools. Whereas JT wasn't because he was a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And in the spring, you know, when the teams were going on seven on seven trips and stuff, he you know wasn't always with them. He had to wait till basketball was over. So that's the difference here and why he's been waiting on this. It really hurts that twenty twenty two class though. They're the ones that are missing out on these extra opportunities now to go see. And that's the group I think you're talking about, Chris, where you know the out of state kids. Where you want to get them on campus, maybe summer camps. You know, that's what you're Wait. hoping for now. Yeah, I, just a quick question about JT. Not to disrespect him because I know he's like the top player in the two four seven database. But at what point is he hurting himself by not making a decision? If you're the best player in the country, teams will wait on you. No, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, as far as what you just talked about, the chemistry oh. and, and getting in and understanding college life, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I'm sure it would behoove you to go in as soon as possible. Yeah, I think if his plan was to go in for summer, then that's what's going to be the deciding factor. And I, I don't know where he is academically and all those things as far as, you know, if he was going to be ready or, if, you know, the family had a trip planned. You know, it's the last time we're going to be together as a family type of thing, and they want to go for two weeks to – to Austria. I don't know. What's wrong with Austria? Just random. Yeah. It's an A. I was just going down the alphabet there Got for it. the first A that I could think of. Uh, so, you know, they had that planned in June or something, so that's why he's waiting to the fall. The, you never know with those type of things, but the quicker he can get in, obviously, is always the better. And, you know, if he can get in for the summer and do those workouts and stuff, I think that is beneficial to him. So I think that's what he's probably planning to do. And it just depends on... You know, if things end up May 31st, when is each school enrolling their summer classes? You know, because you have difference between the quarters and the semester system. And so there's some questions there and looking at the teams. You, you just got to kind of have to factor all those in if you're the family as to when you want to make that decision. So obviously there are a lot of crystal balls for JT to Ohio State. 
but he could have committed already if he wanted to. So ultimately, does the more time help USC or does it hurt USC? Where, where do you guys think? Well, initially, it was the more time absolutely helps USC, but it was sort of contingent on being able to get him on campus just because, you know, his family's from the area. So coming back home, obviously, that's a big uh, a big thing coming back down to SoCal to check it out. He grew up a huge USC fan. So, you know, getting him on campus, you know, that can sway emotions that can that can trigger something inside you. So getting him on campus was a huge part of this this more time contingent Um so now it's just more more waiting. So obviously, I think it's a huge blow for their for the recruiting efforts. I mean, Soto and uh, Coach Kerry Colbert still working that. Um, you know, Kerry's a good relationship with the family, but you you wanted to get him on campus. You wanted to get JT FaceTime with with Coach Vic. Um, so the, I don't know how you're going to work around that now. Yeah, I think it's it's detrimental for them if he makes a decision without taking the visits. Because he has visited USC now, he, he hasn't visited all the schools. But the fact they're not leading, you know, you have a chance to jump. But with basically the status hasn't changed. If you're not leading, at least in the perception, then the, the visits were something that could change, could create a change there. And that you wonder if that's going to happen now. I think getting him on campus was really big because it's been a long time since he's been on campus. You know, even though he has visited USC, hasn't visited a couple of the other schools, it's been a few years, and you want to show the improvements. Hey, look at all these staff we got now. Look at the guys. Hey, look at this graphic we're creating right now just for you type of thing. Look at the boulevard. Yeah, all those type of things that you can show when someone's on campus. You know, you're going to have your, your full-on recruiting pitch for a guy like this, but also you could show all the extra elements that weren't there the previous time when he did visit. Yeah, seeing in person much different from the intern holding the laptop. <laughs> See that? That's for you, buddy. All Chris that. is actually holding his laptop oh, me, up right now. Visual, visual bit. Visual, visual bit. Up. Yeah. A little smudged this up. thing on? <laughs> Look at that big horsey. See that? That's, a, that's your big horsey. <laughs> Can you please explain that? It's. I don't know how to explain that. That's it's just Clay Helton saying. He likes to, to call his players a big horse. As, as you pointed out, it sounds more orgerani. Yeah. But, but I still, I, it still tickles me. <laughs> it's Chris's Clay Helton impression that he yeah. does a lot off air. So it made he's, called recruits, he's called recruits big horses that, or big horsies. That's what I'm just doing. One last little football update. USC is losing, reportedly, another quality control assistant, defensive quality control analyst, Sean Howe is leaving for Montana State to be their next defensive line coach. I wrote about this story and he's been everywhere. That's the crazy part. Mm-hmm. He's literally been everywhere and back. So, I mean, for him to take a defensive line coach position makes sense. But that is the fourth movement for a QC for USC this offseason. So they'll have some some shoes to fill or some roles to fill, if you will. I mean, congrats to him getting a promotion, taking that next step, defensive line assistant coaching position. I mean, and it also just goes to show that, you know, USC had some quality some quality, quality control assets on the support staff. And well done. It's always good to see them get poached because it means you're you're doing something right. And, and that's the type of guys you want to bring in. You want to bring in, I think he was a former defensive line coach at Coastal Carolina, right? Who Keeley said has finished their spring practice already? <laughs> yeah, they finished on Wednesday. Ridiculous. Which is crazy, but then they had to cancel their spring game. Sad. Oh, shucks. National powerhouse, Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. I know. They, some respect they on that. Played name. way more football than anybody the last uh, yeah. year. It's crazy. So, so. 
Uh, but yeah, you know, that's what you want. You want your quality control guys to, you want to bring in quality guys that are former coaches and they can add some insights and stuff to the position that they're helping out or young guys that are going to work their way up. And you've seen it with both, on um, both kind of fronts for USC uh, with how leaving with Chris Claiborne leaving, you know, Seth Doge, you know, being Seth Dagey being promoted for, for USC. So, you know, there's been multiple positions and Hayes Pilar going to the NFL. So four different guys are, that they're going to have to replace. We'll see, how they kind of attack these? Can you bring in? Do you find some uh, former coaches around, or or are there some young guys that you got kind of in mind to to bring in to help out as well? Yeah, I just want to reiterate that this is a good thing. I know sometimes people see like, oh, it's a mass exodus for quality control analysts. This is what you would want because that means they're doing a good job and they're wanted. Um, but I am curious how they will try and fill these roles just because I know with Brian Carrington, they saw that as like a double whammy for recruiting to boost that, especially the offensive side of the ball. So do you go back and, uh, add another recruiting boost somehow with your quality controls analysts? And then, you know, both defensive QCs left. So does Todd Orlando, Craig Nivar, those Dante Williams, those guys have a bigger input on who they work with. We'll see. I think it's interesting that the defensive line assistants have done pretty well. So, uh, you know, it could be a or defensive line quality control analyst because you had former um, assistant there, Austin Clark, who went to Illinois and then ended up in the NFL as a defensive line coach. So maybe that creates a more attractive position there with the success that those guys have had. Uh, maybe you can bring in someone a little bit higher profile than, than maybe you would initially. All righty, let's move into questions. First up is from Gustavo who says, with college football surviving the unknown of a COVID season in 2020, how smooth do you think 2021 will be? I get the sense that it will be smoother. One, because you basically had, if talking about USC, you had a position group have to go to through a whole COVID drama. Um, and then you also have vaccinations. It just seems like once you go through one rodeo, they definitely have learned what not to do and what to do. So, And you've established a really good relationship with the county and state, yes, but definitely you know what's up with the county. So, I think anytime you have practice, you know, practice makes perfect. Coaches always want to practice. The fact that you've gone through it once and you have established the protocols, hey, this is what we need to do, this is what we, you know, we shouldn't do, I think that definitely helps. So I think it would definitely be smoother. If that's the word you, you ask in the question, then, yes, yeah, smoother is definitely is going to happen. Yeah, that first year is always – rocky trying to figure out everything on the fly because obviously it's unprecedented you've never had to go through it so for all the points you pointed out yes i'm optimistic it'll be a lot smoother now that you know oh we know this works oh we know this doesn't work we can tweak this whatever but hopefully this won't have to be a thing for much longer true knock on wood and to be Hope frank so. i feel like people are less scared of it now it's a less taboo right now whereas beforehand like bringing college players back and i know i talked about it on this podcast like seemed crazy and so now people are like we did it let's keep doing it you know so you kind of jumped that hurdle so you can keep going because I, I i don't think that there will be like a conference only schedule i think it's going to open back up to more normality as we continue to go and as things continue to develop scientifically i think you continue to to get back more and more normalcy mm-hmm we had a question from Adam who says, here's a numbers question. If For Chris it's- Trevino because he wanted some numbers questions since he's 30 years old now. Oh, okay. If it's fourth and one and USC rushes for negative two yards, is that a first down? Or is converting on fourth and short, quote unquote, just not us? I feel like this is a trick question and I'm not good at math. 
but I think it's not a first down if you lose two yards on a fourth and one. Unless there's defensive holding call. Oh, man. That wasn't in the question. Or a face mask. Does anyone have the book so I can check the back for answers? No, of course it's not a first down. This is another shot at USC's short yardage situation. Um, And, hey, I asked Clay McGuire about it. You know, if the, the potential of them having an under center type of situation he said that's one of the things they've got to really attack is the short yardage situations and you know he's going to have some conversation with Graham Harrell so maybe we see some different things being done you know the, the what they were running was fine however they needed to build counters and stuff off of it and that was the biggest issue with their fourth down and short yardage situation play calling to me is that they didn't get a little bit more creative throw the ball to the tight end you know on a play action or you know do some different things that way it was very very often a same one or two plays that they wanted to hurry up to the line, bunch everybody up, and just try to push forward. And this was not a group that was great at just pushing forward. Yeah. I forgot that math textbooks had the answers at the back. That gave me like a weird memory that I don't like. Get me out of math class, Chris. Yeah, check the, check the trigonometry book. Check the, check the geometry. Check the answers. Check the answers. No, thank you. I would just rip those pages out. Who needs answers? <laughs> Actually, I believe that. I believe that that's what he did. Vandalism. <laughs> Jagger Wright says, who is the most get 2022 recruit besides Damani Jackson? You can look at it from like a star standpoint, but I think it would have to be Ernest Green, the four star top 100 offensive lineman out of St. John Bosco, because one, you need elite linemen like that. Two, you've missed out on some top, Bosco lineman coming out of that program the last couple years and you don't really get a lot and it would help uh, reverse kind of this trend of you losing the top California offensive lineman to other teams so that's a guy you need to keep home it's not as sexy as position as like an offensive tackle which he was rated earlier in the year uh, or earlier in his recruitment now he's listed sort of as an offensive guard but still you need to lock that guy up Big, athletic, comes from a good bloodline. Dad played in the NFL. Premier program, national power, like 30 minutes up the road. Got to lock him down. So I think he is one of the priority guys you need to lock down in this cycle. I, I, you are absolutely correct. You know, getting uh, Ernest Green is huge for them. They need that big-time offensive lineman. Uh, you could look at a couple other guys that, that they're in the mix for. Right? You know, uh, Malik Agbo as well. Uh, on the offensive line, you know, he's you know from Washington, but he's a guy that's got USC Highlands list. If we're not going offensive line, since you already took Ernest Green, I'm going to go somewhere else. Another guy that I think was really high, and it's not a must-get, but would be really, really big for this class is Michael Williams, the defensive tackle from Georgia. And, you know, that would show to me that USC recruiting is really back. You know, you're going across the country, you're going into SEC land, and you're pulling out a defensive tackle – USC doesn't usually it hasn't been able to do that recently. That's you know that's rare for them. And he's you know a top fifty guy in the country, six five. You know he's going to grow into his body a little bit more. So there's some development still coming there. And he USC is definitely high on his list right now. So it, that would tell me a lot about this. It's not a must get. Not in the same regard. The offensive line is the biggest area they really have to attack. And that's going to be over the next couple of classes. And Ernest Green looks like a dude. And like you said, they've missed out on some guys at Bosco, including Wyatt Davis, who obviously is the number two interior offensive lineman prospect going in the draft behind um, 
Who, who's that guy? Oh, Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, USC oh. player. But imagine if they had both those guys on the offensive line at the same time. Spicy. Yeah. Ooh. And they, they, it seemed like they weren't really big on Wyatt Davis coming out of high school. Uh, didn't expect him to, to have as big of a career as he, as he did. And, you know, he proved them wrong. Uh, so you go in there, and that's one of your feeder programs. You want to be one of your feeder programs, them in modern day. So going in there and getting him would be really big for him. I think that's a good one. And I will say, it seems like USC is right there with Georgia in that top two. Crystal balls are in for him for a couple for Georgia, but I think USC right there, Vic Soto and Armand Hawkins Jr. have done a great job recruiting him. There's legitimate interest, and that's why not getting him on campus is, is a detriment because getting him out here to check out the West Coast would be would be huge, and I think they'd be maybe even moving to the lead if they could be able to do that, but they're fighting for position right now, and he would be huge, yes. For Michael Williams. Yes, Michael Williams. Go watch his tape. It's fun to watch. We have one last question. It's from our buddy Jason in Longhorn Country, and he says, The Parasol crew has brought up multiple times the issues of having a pro-style offensive line coach in an air raid system. What does this mean for a coach like Kerry Colbert, who's from a pro-style background himself? Could he be the next shoe to drop to justify keeping Clay Helton for another year if the offense struggles again next year? Everyone seems to think that Helton is gone if they don't win the Pac-12 next year, but color me skeptical until actions indicate otherwise. No. If, if USC really struggles, I think Clay Helton's gone, um, which they've struggled in the past, but I think it's now more financially stable for that to happen. How, and also, when have you ever heard someone, a fan, just blame the wide receivers coach? Like, you hear people talk about, man, the offensive line coach, he's got to go, the offensive line's not playing well, uh, or the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, maybe a position coach on the defensive side, defensive backs, you know, if you're getting burned a lot. But when have you ever heard me like, we would be so much better if we just had a wide receivers coach? That's no, it's not the position. You know, if they're dropping every ball, maybe you would say that, but you would still put that on the players. Like you would say, come on, catch the ball. Like I do all the time. All the time you do. <laughs> yeah, it's not a high finger pointing position. It's a great way to put it. You're not getting all the heat. This is something I've never actually thought about. That's good call. Good call by you. Yeah, even like. A lot of people are upset with Mike Jinks because the running backs didn't do well, but that's still not a position. And they go like, if you just fire Mike Jinks and replace him, then suddenly USC would be so much better. There's certain positions, the skill positions in particular, like on the offensive side, that you don't really talk about that way. I also we've gotten this type of question before, and I feel like it implies that this new athletic administration has the same thought process as the prior athletic administration, who did a like a wholesale change. You know, the quote unquote really long Notre Dame rebuild that we talk about. <laughs> And I don't think that's they're in. I don't think they're in the same mindset. And I think you can see that from the moves they've made so far in their tenure. But I, yeah, I don't think it would be like, okay, we've checked off this coach, this coach. Let's check off Carey just to keep Helton. And I don't think that's the thought process that they're in right now. Yeah, we did get a couple of late submissions. Uh, so real quick, I'll ask to Chris. Vic asked, "Do we got any chance at Jameer Calvin, the Washington State transfer, former?" Uh, Los Angeles Cathedral played for with Bryce Young at Los Angeles Cathedral. His dad's the coach at Pasadena Muir. Muir? Muir. 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 Uh, so what do you think? Jameer Calvin, I don't think he's necessarily a great fit at USC right now. Yeah, I mean, you already kind of felt that little slot guy with Katie Nixon. I think he brings more uh, veteran leadership. I mean, Jameer also has experience. Um, but I think that, that spot's already kind of filled by bringing in KD. Um, you know, does have ties, like you said. I, I believe his cousin is Hunter Eccles. Um, I remember doing that story when I went to go cover uh, Hunter a signing day at 
cathedral. Uh, cathedral. I do remember that. Um, so they are related. Um, and I believe they wanted to like get him. I believe he might have gotten an offer late from USC, like a couple days before signing day. And I feels the, right. It's just so long ago. And I just feel like there was like a little bit of a push, but he, he was sticking with Washington State. Um, but I don't think, yeah, like you said, I don't think the fit is there right now just because they brought in another wide receiver. And you wonder where the scholarship numbers are. Maybe late in the cycle, if you know, if he decide if he waits and waits, then maybe they say late, and that's where he really wants to go. So he's waiting to see if USC takes him. Then maybe they could bring him in a late if if you know they have a, a scholarship left over or something, just to add some extra depth to that wide receiver room. But for him, he's played at Washington State. He's played a good amount there and had a number of catches, almost a thousand yards. I think he's going to go somewhere where you can get the ball thrown to him, and I think that's part of the reason why he's leaving. New coaching staff came into Washington State. You know, he's probably leaving to go somewhere where he's going to play a bunch. Not And USC, I don't think he's going to offer that. And save the save the spot for O-line. <laughs> go find O-line. I'm, I was assuming that they were already using those spots. Okay, I'm fair that enough. I fair said enough. at the very fair end. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, and the last question was from, from Johnny Five. Uh, how far will USC make it in the NCAA basketball tournament, and why isn't Evan Mobley being talked about as a consensus number one pick? So I'm going to get your guys' take. How far do you think this USC team, from the, the little bit you guys have watched, can make it in the NCAA tournament? actually have this sort of in my take it or leave it so i have a specific so you're gonna, question you're gonna pause on I'm, it? I'm going to pause on it because I, I just wanted to fire something off about runs ncaa tournament runs that you will probably expand on okay we'll pause on that how about the second part of it why is it evan mobley being talked about as consensus number one pick i just think because people are watching the the tape, I think, like, people who know basketball and cover college basketball, like, The Ringer did a huge piece on him, like, why he is the number one pick. Like, he is the gem of this class. Some of these college basketball writers, they know, like, oh, Evan is special, um, and he is should be the number one pick. He is the, he is the prize of this draft. Um, so I think it's mainly just exposure. I think if you know where to look, you can find people hyping him up as that. But I don't think you're going to get that. You're, gonna, you're not going to hear that until March when like these games are on all the national networks. I think also he's not being talked about as consensus number one because it's a strong draft. And you're going to have Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, uh, two other fabulous freshmen at Oklahoma State and Gonzaga that are going to be right there in the mix too. So it might actually come down to, which is rarely the case in the NBA, but it might come down to need. You know, What does a team need? Do they need a wing or do they need a big man? Um, and how do they see – because they may see – teams may see both of the, all three of those guys as future all-stars – so if that's the case, it may come down to knee, where usually it's like there's one guy that's really, really special and no one else kind of is at the same level, whereas this year maybe there's a couple guys. And on that note, time to pass it over to you, Chris Trevino. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Before I get into this, shout out to Hello, I'm Awesome 3, who because I also asked for 30s advice. He was the only one who gave me 30s advice. It was drink more water. <laughs> so to all those water boys out there, drink more water. But my first official presenting sponsor, fake real sponsor for Take It or Leave It as a 30-year-old. So thank you to today's delicious sponsor, Whataburger. This month's hiring of Brian Carrington now gives USC seven coaches from the state of Texas, which means Whataburger is ready to back the Texas boys. We are proud to announce our first California location on top of Heritage Hall. (laughs) We aim to put Whataburger wrappers in the trash cans of every SC coach on campus. Take off the shackles of overrated burgers and leave with some actual good fries. Whataburger. 
ask for protein style, and will laugh in your face. <laughs> okay. I Thank have- you to Whataburger. Let's get ready for the burger wars to heat up in 2021. Multiple questions. All right. First of all, what if you're gluten-free and need protein style? Then choose somewhere else. Then go somewhere else. What customer service? So you're hating on In-N-Out's fries is what I get out of that. Look, I love fries. And the fries are weak to me. They're weak sauce. I will admit there is a consistency issue with In-N-Out fries. What? Consistency issue? Like sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're undercooked. Sometimes they're perfect. I've never experienced that. They're fresh and made right there in front of you. I don't know. Me and Shotgun have been to a Whataburger together. In Arizona? Keely and I have been to a Whataburger yeah. together. Step off. In Texas. In Texas. Oh. At two in the morning. <laughs> That's true. I think I got the same order both times. The chicken tender sandwich. So oh, he's not. silent. He has no comeback. I've built up all my good cachet on this pot, and I just blew it up <laughs> with this fake corp- fake real sponsor. So thank you to Whataburger. What a burger. Um, so let's get into the corporate take it or leave it. Uh, USC baseball starts on Friday. So I just want to know, are we taking or leaving USC baseball for a good season in 2021? They've got, it's an interesting team because they've got some really talented young athletic guys, uh, that, that I think are going to be future stars. And they also got back the entire middle of their lineup, which normally they would not have. They get back Jamal O'Gwen, they get back Ben Ramirez, and they get back Clay Owens. Guys that would have been drafted last year because the draft is normally a 40-round draft, but because of the pandemic, it was cut down to five rounds. Now, USC, but the other thing is they did lose their front two starters. They lost Kyle Hurt, he was a draft pick, and John Beller signed as an undrafted free agent who would have been drafted as well if in a normal draft. And they lost their closer, Ben Wanger, who went to Miami, because USC didn't have scholarship money for him. He was a walk-on, had transferred from an Ivy League. So they lost some big key pieces, so it depends on how well their starting pitching progresses, and that's going to be the big thing. Can Isaac Escada, can Chandler Champlain, can those guys step forward and become legit Pac-12 starters? It's hard to say. Um, I got to heard, po- heard it on the Sidelines podcast about baseball, so you guys can check that as well. Plug. And I got Mike Rooney, who's a former Arizona State assistant coach, who writes for D1 Baseball as a national analyst and also as a color commentator on ESPN. He ranked USC pretty low, but he told me basically three through nine in the Pac-12 are you know kind of a toss-up. So he could see USC finishing in as high as three or four or five or as low as number nine. So it's going to be interesting, and it just depends on where that uh, the pitching staff is as a whole. And, and you know who can step up and step into roles on you know Friday night, Saturday night. That's going to be the big question. If they can, I think so. I think they're headed in the right direction as far as a program, but this season could be one of those learning seasons for them. Sounds like a, a leave it, but also sounds like a teave it. Sounds I don't like teave it. I don't teave it, guys. You always so he's it. leaving it. You say leave it. I think I'm gonna leave it. There is no way I'm gonna go against. D1 baseball expert, Shotgun Smiling. So I'm going to leave it as well. But stock up for baseball. I just saw the graphic they posted the other day with the clean uniforms. I just had to throw it on there. Moving forward, naming the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week award, the Evan Mobley award. It would be more concise. It's almost comical at this point. I just want to point that out. I'm going to leave it. I'll tell you why. Okay. 
Yes, it, it, I can see exactly why you would think that. However, the award's only two years old. So he's, he's got the record for the most of anyone. Yeah, explain the context of what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the Pac-12 has started awarding in multiple sports now, but a freshman of the, of the week award along with player of the week. Now, Evan Mobley's won. He won both of them um, two weeks ago. He's won the freshman of the week now six times? Six times? So he's set the record for he's beating his own record now each week. Um, and he could be on his pace for another one next week after the performance he had against Arizona State if he plays well against Arizona. And that's the thing is there's going to be a year where there's a really good player who's a top five, top ten pick, and there's just no other really good freshman, and they're just going to win it like almost every week. Evan Mobley's doing it because he's just that good. There's some other really good freshmen in the, the conference this year, but there's probably going to be a year where someone gets like 11 or 12 just because everybody else stinks in the, as far as freshmen. So what's your answer? He's leaving it. So I'm leaving it. I'll because it's it such too. a young award, too. Uh, Keely, you, you've been kind of weak on your takes right now because he's been dominating. And to be fair, those were two more shotgun-centric. But this one's yeah, going to be on. you. You're leading with this one. You have to You have to start on this one. Shotgun just did like a very sassy head tilt at me. I love it. I wish we had cameras in here. I know. Steve Sarkeesian is the season two villain of SC's Take back the West Netflix show. Can I teave it? Because I no, still stop teaving everything. I, hold on, I still think Oregon will be season two's main villain, but then you'll have a twist where Sark is the villain halfway through the season. So you think it's more of a transition to season three? Maybe like get you hooked into the next season before it even the starts. villain is taken care of from season one, like two thirds of the way through, but then like Sark emerges. I think so. Because, like, if this was, if I was in the writer's room, I would say USC will then be more formidable against Oregon, less of a threat. So you need to introduce a new threat, and that would be Texas. And for those who don't know, Texas just landed Malik Murphy, five-star QB out of uh, Sarah. Um, And Sark has gone on record saying he's coming for California. And there's a couple of guys they have offered out here. You know, CJ Williams, the the big wide receiver out of modern day. So I think USC has been poaching Texas. Well, I think Texas is going to start poaching right back even more. So where were you at on this shotgun? I'm going to leave it. And I think both of the, both of the staffs are maybe hurting themselves by not now what USC is doing is taking care of the five-star guys trying to take care of the five-star guys in Southern California and then going to Texas and try to supplement it's not like they've gone into Texas and pulled out any five-star guys yet so it's not like now Malik Murphy you know is good, I think he's a five he's a four-star right now I believe he's a five-star composite okay so he has the potential to be a five-star USC you know never really went after him super heavy um, he was on on the radar for them, but you know, he, him and AJ Duffy, it seems like USC kind of slow play both of them. So it's not like they were going head to head for that one, and Texas took over. Now it's a big get for Texas because they needed a quarterback after losing Quinn Ewers, who's the number one quarterback in the nation. So and, and Sark has a ton of ties here, and he's recruited really well. It is a concern for USC fans, I'm sure, because you know who else he got? Bryce Young, the quarterback that he got previous to to Malik Murphy when he was at Alabama. So that's a big concern for them. He's going to have his ties here. He's got, you know, a lot of connections and he's going to probably do well, but if USC can lock up the five-star guys they want, 
then I don't think that he becomes that villain. You still got Oregon because you're playing them every year. Now, if you add Texas to the, to the schedule every year, which I'm perfectly fine with, you know, we, go? we would like to go to Austin, get some. It was a crazy BBQ. game. The game in Austin was not crazy. It was a terrible game. Okay, well, okay, the game itself, <laughs> but like just seeing it was a fun trip. That many fans was insane to me, and they all had the same little cheer and everything. They they care about football in Texas. If you didn't know, <laughs> if you didn't know, breaking news. Oh, breaking man. news. Imagine if Larry Scott would have made it to Pac-16. Doesn't roll out the tongue as well, but I agree. So two leave it's. I am proud of the way I wrote that question, though. I just wanna, mm. I just want that out there. She was trying to teave it because, but we got, we got to <laughs> make TiVo like, teave it like TiVo. Leave it in the past. Oh my gosh, I just remember TiVo. TiVo. I should only give you. You should only get one TiVo. Okay, but I provided a comprehensive explanation. That's fair. So I feel like I'm allowed that. That's fair. Keely has to go first on this one again. Yeah, yeah, USC yeah. basketball is a Final Four team. So here's the thing. That's always a good way to start an answer. <laughs> I feel like every time I actually start getting invested in like covering a USC basketball team, that's when the cliff dive happens. So I feel like I'm jinxing this. I, I, I'm going to leave it. Okay. I'm going to leave it as well. Uh, the free throw shooting concerns me in an NCAA tournament run and the outside shooting You know, when you're playing multiple games in a weekend potentially. They, they could do it. They've got the potential, and they're playing better, but we'll see where they're at after these next six games. And to go on your initial question that I skipped, skip. I think this team's floor right now is Sweet 16. Yeah, if, if they don't make it to the second weekend, then you're, then USC fans will be very disappointed. You know, If you make it to the Sweet 16, you lose. People will be disappointed that you lost, but they'll feel like you know, it was a good run to get to the Sweet 16. Wow, we got, got a Sweet 16. They are fully capable of Elite Eight, even a Final Four, if they're not in a bracket with Gonzaga or Baylor. They need some luck. You know, it depend. It always comes down to who you're playing, you know, and how you match up with those teams. USC having the tallest team in the na- in the nation, as is told on every single broadcast. Did you know? <laughs> um, and having one of the best players in the country gives them a chance every single game. As long as they play defense, they'll have a chance. And if they knock down a couple shots, they're very, very tough to beat. I know it's early, but my next one is Drake London is being absolutely disrespected in these early, uh, this early preseason for 2021 content. Fox Sports came out. Who are the best uh, duos, wide receiver QB duos in the nation? Listed a bunch. Listed about four. No Drake London or Keen Slovis. Bleacher Report uh, listed... 10 wide receivers that will be stars in 2021. No Drake London. Didn't even make the 20 deep honorable mention. Brew McCoy did. And then wasn't even listed in top 10 returning receivers for 2021 for pro football focus. So I'm asking you, is Drake London being disrespected going to 2021? See, I don't know how to answer this because I feel overall like, Pac-12 West Coast football isn't studied in detail. I mean, like, if you look at, I think today ESPN came out with way too early rankings. They ranked USC ninth. What? Like, that to me was crazy. And That's ESPN. Sure. But what I'm saying is, like, I feel like there's a certain formula for you to get noticed at a national level, and Drake doesn't hit those qualities yet. 
Where it's like a Brew McCoy would because he like had a big national profile. He was a five star, like blah, 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 you know? So I don't think so. I don't think he's being disrespected. Does Do I think he should be listed? Yes. So I don't know if that means he's being disrespected. One interesting thing you said is that Brew McCoy is getting noticed because he was a five star guy. Who's the last non five star USC receiver that became a star? You know, I don't know if there has been one necessarily because USC has recruited that position so well. Uh, maybe that does play into it a little bit. Uh, part of the issue is, is he a tight end or is he a receiver? You know, if you have the top 10 tight ends list and it, it comes back, you know, Kyle Pitts won the Mackey Award this year, I believe, uh, at Florida, put up immaculate numbers, had big numbers last year and wasn't considered for the award because they said he played too much wide receiver. So uh, and now Drake London is a little bit different because he doesn't block, but it's the tight end position in this offense. And I wonder how people kind of look at it because he's not an outside receiver, even though he has that big frame. So how do they kind of see him on that national level as far as when they're making these type of lists? Because he doesn't, he has, he makes more grown man plays where he's just bullying people, running over people, breaking tackles that play against UCLA is still ridiculous. Uh, where he fumbled the ball in the middle of the play, gets it back, and still runs through a number of tackles. It's like seven tackles or something. Uh, but he doesn't have the super athletic play where he's going down the sideline and makes a one-handed catch or anything. He's had some unique plays. He had the play at Arizona State as a freshman where he stole the ball from a defender going up over him, Ashari Croswell. But I think that because it's not those sideline plays, maybe he's perceived a little bit different and the tight end portion of it as well. And pro football focus just does not like USC receivers. They do not grade them well, you know, at all in this offense. I don't know why exactly. I don't know the issue there, but they, they none of them really grade well. Even, you know, when Drake London was terrific in that Arizona State game, he had a mediocre grade at best. I also don't know how much Keaton Slovis's sophomore slump, if you will, played into that, Chris. I didn't look at what you're talking about, but I'm curious if that impacted it. So you're leaving it? No, I'm taking these being disrespected. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly the reason for it, unfortunately. Oh, so he took it. Take he, gave, it he, gave, he gave the right answer. That dude's a beast. He's a beast. Uh, final that. one. And oh. with him not playing basketball, does he take another step forward this season? Because you have even bigger numbers. It's not take it or leave it if I start to go to the next one and then someone jumps <laughs> in with an additional point. Usually shotgun, so that's how you know. That's, I would that's the totem for this. Uh final one. USC weather recruiting. Take it. USC should be doing this all the time. You know, that's why you bring official visits and why the December period has hurt them a little bit with people signing early, because normally you could bring official visits in on January for those northern kids, the kids from Michigan or Ohio, and say, You really want to go to Ohio State? What's the temperature there? Versus coming to USC and it's seventy degrees in January. So definitely take it. I mean, they've always recruited weather. Recruit whatever advantages you got. So take it. All right. That wraps up the corporate. Take it or leave it. Let's get through these fun ones. Thanks, I think, thanks to Whataburger. I think, thank you to Whataburger. Go get a delicious burger. Chicken dinner sandwich. There you That's go. That's where it's at. There you go. I didn't get to do, we didn't do a podcast last week, so I didn't get to do any Valentine's day ones um but i just want to say take it or leave it on those little candy valentine's day hearts you know the ones that say the message the words on them yeah leave it because sweet tarts now makes the same thing and i love sweet tarts interesting i'll take it i got two bags of those sweet tarts ones 
pretty big bags, and it's pretty much just pure shooter. Our new president came out this week, or it was revealed that he plays as Luigi in Mario Kart, and then it was a whole thing on Twitter. Are we taking or leaving Luigi? Are people out on Luigi? I like Luigi just because in the dynamic, he was the taller one. And in my friend groups, I was always the taller one. So I related. Leaving it. Luigi's not the character you want to play with. <laughs> you don't play with Mario? I don't think you play with Mario either. I always, always somebody Oh, else. I didn't know I had other options. I was just choosing between Mario and Luigi. Luigi was getting a lot of hate. I just like didn't know there was such this hate. I mean, I'm playing as Yoshi, so I'm just... It's like Sonic and Tails. No one talks about Tails. Come on. I think Tails is cooler than Sonic. I'm just I'm no way. Um, 3D printed meat. Leave it. <laughs> There's a company that 3D prints plant-based meat. Leave it. Better question is probably plant-based meat. Yeah, I also had that. Like, are you just plant-based meat in general? I actually take it. Have you had it, Shotgun? I have. I've tried different ones. Um, and some of them are okay, and then other ones are just terrible. Which ones are... I've tried the Beyond. I think I've tried that one. Impossible is fine. Um, you know, especially if you're making something that you would use ground beef in, it's perfectly fine. What third-party plant-based meat vendors are you going to? There's only like two I know. Impossible no. and Beyond. I don't know where you're getting these. Incognito? Sounds like you made that up. <laughs> I did not make that up. There's uh, Lifeline or something. There's like six different ones right now. All right, I'll make up one too. There's uh, Moober. They deliver <laughs> plant-based meat to you. Moober. Which one of those is real? <laughs> Winner gets something. Winner gets a fifty dollar gift card to Moober. All right, Moober on. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. You literally told him to move on. And then <laughs> You're stop like, move it. on. But wait a wait a second. You have Light Life. That's the one I was trying to find. Light Life, which I tried, was not very good. There's no meat based pun in there. That's how you know. know. There's Sweet Earth. That's plant based meat. There's No Evil Foods. Plant based. They're really taking no a stand evil there. Food? <laughs> No Evil Foods. That's a real intense name. And this one. Keely knows I'm bringing this up, but she doesn't know exactly what it is. If you're a member of the Peristyle, you know I have this specific gif that I like to post when there's a big commitment or there's something brewing recruiting-wise. You're familiar with my mm-hmm. my uh, my gif. Keely came out the other week and said that she absolutely hates this gif and it drives her crazy. Let me talk. <laughs> And it really hurt my feelings because the board likes it. So this one's just for shotgun. I don't care what she thinks. <laughs> Let me explain myself. No, no, no. Okay, you can explain yourself, but he's going to... Are you taking or leaving my GIF? My commitment GIF? Take it. Do either of you know where it's from? Not a clue. It's Tubbs from Miami Vice. Is that what it is? Oh. Tubbs. I think. I don't know. Actually, that might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Classic shotgun. Man. Okay. No, it's he, not actually that. Here's, you have the floor. Here's the thing. I didn't know this was like a coordinated branding effort from you, Chris. I thought you just overused the GIF. I didn't know it was like you were trying to make it a thing. Hmm. So I... I, I wonder if... Do you have any eligibility left to play defensive back? Because that is some backpedaling you're doing there. 
<laughs> I think Dante would like that backpedal. Staying low, getting the hips, getting the arms. I'm just saying. And the problem was that, like, Chris and I were, were texting and we were kind of in, like, a... We kind of, like, take fake punches at each other. And this no, that one... that was very real. This, no, this one I actually heard his feelings. You know, it was, like, when the dogs bite each other too hard and it was not great. <laughs> yeah. I had to apologize. I felt very bad. I don't think that's Tubbs. It's not. <laughs> so we still don't know. No, it's from another 80s show, but I'm blanking on it. And finally... Keely shared this, and I saw this on Twitter, too. I just want... This isn't really a take it or leave it. Okay. I do remember where it's from now. Oh, where is it? <laughs> Magnum P.I. Different... different Classic 80s Sidekick, show. yeah, from the 80s. Well, there, now we know. Uh, Keely shared this. This isn't really a take it or leave it, because I know we're all leaving, having to jump out of whatever we're doing to cover some breaking news. Brian Hawk tweeted out, what is your most ridiculous, I got to go, this breaking news experience? I know we're all leaving that. I just yeah, want, it's horrible. I just want your, I just want your story. This is like story time. I just want, I can go first if you need a second to think. I do. Go for it. My most intense one was probably the Brew McCoy leaving Texas thing. I was going out to eat sushi and then it happened. So I had to pull over. Oh, I think you said this in on the, the pod before. In, I don't think so. In the rain. With my girlfriend and my friend, and they just had to sit there while I stood in the rain and took a call from a top secret source in the rain. I'm in the rain, no umbrella, just pure adrenaline. And then once I get info, then we go to the sushi restaurant. And then I have to leave the sushi restaurant and type outside on my phone to cover this thing. That is probably like the most intense uh, one I've had to do. But I'm sure there's other ones. That have just blended into my career. But that's like the most standout one of just having to, I gotta go. Something's happening. Honestly, I don't have a good story. I'm, there's been several times where I'm just like, like I've showed up to parties and been like, sorry, I gotta go finish this story first. But I, w- I was riding with somebody and they're like, hey, we gotta go. I'm like, all right, I'm coming. And I'm, I'll write in, on the, in the car on the way. There's been several times going out for nights, going to a restaurant to meet up with people or going to a bar where I bring my computer along and ride along the way and then have to finish the story before I can, you know, start partying or whatever. So that's probably more along the lines. I now have a device for my car that is an outlet that I can plug into the to the USB. Interesting. Um, oh. So that I can plug in my computer in my car and just ride in my car. Now, then you, run into, you run into Wi-Fi yes, issues. But there's been several times where I've sat in parking lots and written stories at you know one or two in the morning. Um, but probably more interesting is taking my computer with me to go out for nights. My computer goes with me everywhere. I'm going out. I just have it in the car. I have it at the house I'm at. Yeah, that's the weird thing is I always bring my backpack everywhere. Like, just because you never know what's going to happen. I think because every, the few times I haven't, there's always been something that's happened. So it just like curses me. The biggest one was when I was just like, oh, I'll show up to USC Sunday, random Sunday practice. And that was the practice that Sark didn't show up. So never again. (laughs) Learn that lesson the hard way. My roommates kind of know the process now. Like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. I might, I might have to write something. And then I hop up and I'm like, I had to write something. I, I just feel bad because there's one where I was like, yeah, I'll hang out with you on the drive over. Got a call about a story. Literally was just like, hey, I'm at your apartment, but I need to write right now. And so I literally <laughs> spent like 
the next two hours trying to confirm the story and then writing the story and they're just like sitting in their apartment watching me type and that was just like and i'm like i'm so sorry and so yeah and that's it that's my time nice Alrighty, well i'll take the torch back from you mr trevino well done for your weekly segment that's gonna wrap it up for the family feud podcast thanks so much for listening we'll be back that's shotgun that's chris i'm keely we'll see y'all next time peace okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.